And welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. So glad you could spend part of your afternoon with us. He is Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow We're with you for the next 60 minutes. 201-939-4513. That is the telephone number. You could also chime in via Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. A reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience. Courtesy of Coors Light, text VIP to 90464 for more details. So we've got a lot to tackle over this next hour. We're going to get you set for Thursday night football. It is a short turnaround and it is going to be a very tough matchup for the New York Giants because they literally just released the injury report and the following players will not be playing for Big Blue tomorrow. They're going to be down Saquon Barkley. They're going to be down Sterling Shepard. They're going to be down Evan Ingram and they're going to be down Wayne Goldman. Goldman and Shepard are still in concussion protocol. Ingram dealing with the knee injury and Saquon Barkley, of course, with the ankle injury. So, Jeff, Mm. we sort of had an inkling that it was going to be a sizable injury report Clearly, as Pat Shermer spoke, he wasn't necessarily giving away any hints. They were keeping hope alive. But given it was a short week, you had a lot of guys banged up. I think the Giants are thinking right now, hey, let's get these guys well-rested for 10 days and let's focus on perhaps some of them at least returning for the Arizona Cardinals game once they have well over a week to regroup and recuperate. And yes, and there's really not a lot you can do about this. It is what it is. You know, the guys recuperate quicker than others. Some guys do, some guys don't. And the doctors tell you that you can or you can't. And on a short week, this really hurts them. Because if you figure today's Wednesday and you got until Saturday, if this was a Sunday game, you know, you got Thursday and Friday, you got two, you got 48, you got a lot of times that maybe one of these guys or two of these guys might be able to go. But, you know, short weeks are tough. And unfortunately, the Giants got bitten by the injury bug here last game the last two weeks really so yeah that's what's going to happen i mean you gotta you gotta be careful with these because these can be long-term issues if you hurry guys back well and also shepherd is dealing with the second concussion in five weeks so Mm. you you knew they clearly weren't going to rush him back plus keep in mind this is now independent doctors that are involved it's really out of the giant's hands jeff as you well know Mm. so you know, they have to follow procedures. They have to follow protocol. And also, Wayne Goldman suffered a concussion on Sunday. So to have thought that he was going to pass through protocol, when, remember, other players, it's taken sometimes more than a week. I think those two guys we knew were extreme long shots to begin with. And when you talk about concussions, and I, I've told you this before, everybody's different when it comes to concussions. Okay, some guys respond back, like you said, um, during training camp this year. Um, John Hilleman had a concussion, and he was back the next week. Okay. I'm, I'm telling you how these things work. You look at the game last week when Sterling Shepard got hit and they call the injury timeout to take him out of the game. That's when they thought he got concussed on that play. Evidently, he did, right? I mean, something, but he was okay to go back into the game. And then the day after is when things started to happen to he him. He started feeling the effects. So my point is, is that this is your brain. These are injuries that everybody's different, right? So he was able to go back in the game, and the next day he was okay or not okay. I will tell you from experience, this happened to me um, in the Philly game. The Eagles. Hit, I, yeah. I got hit by Jeremiah Trotter. I don't remember where in the hell I was at that point in time, but I was able to go back in the game. But then the next day, I don't even remember wow. going back in the game. So things they happen and that's what the whole concussion protocol is all about it's also about having the doctors there on the sidelines now and somebody in the booth because i was thinking the same thing on that play i was thinking to myself you know what he i watched him i had my binoculars in the up in the press box and i had my binoculars right on him and when he got up he kind of like just gave a little bit of a 
you know, almost like he was he was something was wrong, and then he was able to come through and go through it, and they called him. But he was able to return to the game. But that doesn't mean that he didn't have a concussion. He had a concussion at that point in time. He just didn't know about it. Well, and to your point, everybody responds differently. No question. Some guys can bounce back quickly, and everything's okay. And then all of a sudden, eight 12 weeks. hours later. Eight weeks sometimes. Yeah. I mean, serious ones. And it's all about the brain and how, you know, how it happens. And the guys are, are different. And on the, other, on the other fronts, when you're dealing with groins and hamstrings and ankles and things like that, uh, it's going to take time. And you don't want to hurry up and get the guy back. I, mean, I know everybody's probably – I saw an interview with Saquon the other day. And he, was, he looked a little bit discouraged because I, I have a feeling he was told he's not going to play. And they, the press keep asking him, you know, are you 100%? And he said, no, you know, nobody after the fifth week is 100%. And he's just, you know, he's the kind of guy that wants to get out there and play. But he's the kind of guy you have to be smart about going forward the rest of the season. And I think a 10-day rest is really going to help people get healthy, and especially the guys that aren't going to play tomorrow night. 100%. And also, what you're touching on, Jeff, spells out these guys are the ultimate competitors. I mean, if it was up for Saquon Barkley, he'd put some tape on it. He'd be out there. If it was up to Evan Ingram, he'd tape up his knee and he'd go out there. But, you know, the medical staff, the job for those individuals, Jeff, is to protect the players sometimes from their competitive drive so that they don't put themselves in a precarious spot where they re-injure it, God forbid, on a short week, and then they miss even more time. And, you know, there's going to be weather tomorrow night. It's going to be chilly for the first time. They haven't played a really chilly game yet. It's going to be raining, okay, damp. Uh, The field's going to be, you know, it's field turf, so you don't have to think about slipping too much, but it does happen. So the last thing you want to do is go out there with a guy with an ankle injury and risk that way, a guy with a hamstring or a knee. It's not going to work. You just don't do it. And you know what? Most of the time... There is a path to victory in some of these games. You could say to yourself, okay, you know what? Listen, I think we've got a chance that we could do this or we could exploit this. Uh, this is one of the weaknesses that we could do. Ooh, this is this is tough sledding here. I mean, you're going up against a Patriots defense that could be an all-timer here, right? I mean, the one statistic I threw out to last Friday when we did this, I did the show with John. We were talking about the next opponent for, a brief, moment, for a brief moment, right? <laughs> and I said to John, I said, listen, I was looking at these stats for New England. We talk about New England, Tom Brady, but not many people talk about their defense. And I, I looked up the statistics, and there was number ones, number twos, threes, <laughs> ones, twos, ones, five, one, two. I'm like, John, look at this. This yeah. is scary. And the one thing that I think is really scary about the New England defense is that they give up 12%, 12 or 13% on third downs. 13%, yeah. Last week it was 12%. So they, they've dropped, they've gone up a point. The nerve of them. How dare them? <laughs> but I don't know, and I would venture to say, because we follow this pretty closely, I don't think there's anybody near that number. I mean, I would have to guess the next closest person is going to be in the 20s, but there isn't certainly, I don't believe there's any other team that's in the teens on third downs. Now, when you're missing your starting two running backs, your starting tight end, and your starting receiver, that doesn't... Riley Dixon, get ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a long day. Well, but you're right. It's going to be so critical for the Giants to find ways to put together lengthy drives, Jeff, because to me, your best defense is your offense in keeping Tom Brady sidelined. But you hit it right on the nose, and I'm going to look up the next closest team because I didn't necessarily monitor that when I was looking up the stats. But I just want to read you through how good this Patriots defense is. They're number one in the NFL in the following categories. Total defense. They're only giving up 238 yards per game. 
pass defense. They're only giving up 160 yards per game through the air. Scoring defense. It's actually, their scoring defense is not 6.8 points. That's what's listed. But the problem is the Jets, Jeff, scored 14 points against the Patriots. The Jets' defense scored both of those touchdowns. That's not against the Patriots' defense. So when I calculated it and adjusted it for those numbers, New England's only giving up four points per game because of their defense. That's it. That's all they're giving up. Third down D, as you mentioned, 13%. Opponents have had 63 opportunities to convert a third down. Of those 63, eight times they were successful. I mean, it's mind-boggling numbers on top of that. 24 sacks, that's first in the NFL. Takeaways is 12. The Patriots are number one in the NFL in takeaways with 12. The Giants are tied for the most turnovers in the NFL with 11. So you've got the Giants here, you've got the Patriots there, and let's take it a step further, Jeff. This is what opposing quarterbacks have done against New England's defense this well, year. Well, I know so they far. haven't I know they haven't scored a touchdown. That's correct. There or have been no a passing attacks downs yeah. that have been allowed. Two rushing touchdowns. That's the only thing New England has allowed. 97 of 179, so a 54% completion percentage. No touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Two of those 11 interceptions were returned for touchdowns. So this is not just the Patriots' defense has flashed in one category. And, and this is the other thing I don't want to hear. And I'm not trying to build New England up to be the greatest defense ever. Okay. But I think they deserve respect because of how consistently they played. But I know a lot of people are pointing to Jeff Well. New England hasn't really gone up against any great quarterbacks yet. Well, they've gone up against Josh Allen, who's a mobile quarterback. Okay. So, you know, I think a lot of credit belongs to them because they really kept him in check. He only had six runs for 25 yards. He did score a touchdown. Yes, the Jets were down to their third-string quarterback. I get it. The Dolphins threw in Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. They played Ben Roethlisberger week one, Jeff. Mm -hmm. uh, he's no slouch. So I think you've had some mixed results in terms of the QBs that the Patriots have got. Well, it's against. still football, okay? Yeah. Got to go out and play numbers. who's on the schedule. They certainly aren't going to apologize to you for those numbers. Nor I should I tell you that. Um, but this is a team that's, you know, you, you can't, at least I can't. You know, there's a lot of guys that you don't know who who's on that defense. I mean, it's like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's not a lot I of mean, household names. No, really I think not. you bring up a really good point. Um, but they, they just continue to put good players on the field and do good things, you know, because the philosophy here with Tom Brady is that, you know, Tom Brady, yeah, he's 42. He can still play, but he still can't do everything that he used to, right? So you're going to put a defense on the field. To be able to win games, low-scoring games, and and then you got your offense that you're going to put up. You're not going to have to put up 350 yards passing every game because you have a defense that allows you to not to have to do that. Tom Bradyus, you know, Tom doesn't have. You don't have to. We're not going to have to have Tom Brady win us football games anymore because we have a defense that can do it themselves. I mean, gee whiz. Extremely opportunistic, and they've scored two touchdowns, as you just alluded to. So the defense is meeting Tom Brady halfway. How many seasons have we seen as good as New England has been during this dynasty, Jeff, where you know, the Patriots have had to get into those offensive clinics, right? Yeah. You look at some of the yeah. Super Bowls with the Falcons and the Eagles. You know, Brady's had to do a lot of the heavy lifting. This is now a team, to your point, they could put up two touchdowns and a field goal, and New England could feel good about walking away with a victory. So the dynamics of this year's New England team, very much different from teams in years past. I just looked up the third down defensive numbers. So the Patriots are 13%. The second best team in the NFL right now is the Cowboys. They're at 26%. And teams have doubled the amount of third down conversions against the Cowboys compared to the Patriots. So there you go. That's historic. Okay, Because I, 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 I'm telling you, I just... The, the number 12 and 13% on third downs, 
when I see that number, I think if that was a team a Sunday, they were 12 or 13% on third downs. On just Not one for game. the yeah. season. <laughs> I mean, I don't, you have to look. I mean, honestly, folks, take that number into consideration. They're, this is week five, six coming up, right? Week six. So of five games, 12, 13%. That is, you, it doesn't get any better than that. Well, if you do the math, if opponents have had eight third down conversions, Jeff, you divide that by five. That means every team is averaging a little over one third down <laughs> conversion per game. Come it's, on. Right. I mean, it's like video game That's not, rationale. Yeah. So It's insane. You know, when you're game planning for this and you're the Giants coaching staff, you're going to have to try to find a way to make some first downs because, like you said, Lance, this team, they get you off the field. They get you off the field, and they play good defense, and then they, they, here comes that offense, okay? Which, by the way, Sony Michelle, he's going to get a lot of carries this game. You know, it's going to be wet. You're not going to have to throw the football. They're going to run the football until the Giants stop them. Uh, luckily, the, hopefully this game will be two hours and 41 minutes long, so that'll be good. Um, <laughs> and just get out of there because it's going to be a nasty day. They're t- calling for really high winds and rain. Um, and that, that just goes to show you that those types of conditions, you want to run the football. Unfortunately, the giants, they don't have really that much of a running game behind John Hilleman and, and, uh, Eli Penny. Eli Penny. That's it. But they're going to need that running game to give them something, Jeff, because this is not the territory you want to throw Daniel Jones into and have him throw the ball 35 to 40 times. Yeah, and if he does have to throw it 35 to 40 times, you're going to have to do it out of shotgun and quick just get rid of the football with this defense um, and try to find some ways to move the sticks. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough going. It's really going to be difficult for them, but they got to find a way. They're going to have to commit to the run and yeah. try to get into those third and maybe third and fives if you can. You know, I mean, can you get five yards on two runs? Yeah, you, you're going to have to, right? Because you can't sit there all day at, at third and 13s and third and 11s. No. You're not going to happen. Yeah, you're because you're going to allow New England to be aggressive. They're going to pressure. They're going to look at what the Vikings did, Jeff. It's a copycat league. And what no did the question. Vikings do effectively if we're to look back at Sunday's game? Not to fully recap because we did that earlier in the week. But the Vikings did a number of things effectively to fluster Daniel Jones. One, they put a lot of pressure on him, right? They got up in his grill. That. Uh, they affected some throws. So New England certainly going to be able to do that. They have 24 sacks on the season. They were able to contain the Giants' rushing attack. So, you know, they forced Daniel Jones to have to make plays. And the other thing that I thought they were very effective, and I'm curious what Belichick is going to employ, it seemed as if, Jeff, they had a linebacker always shadowing Daniel Jones because when he had opportunities to run out of the pocket, very few times did he have the ability to run off the edge and pick up you know, five or six yards like we saw in that Redskins game. Yeah. So I'm sure with New England playing that 3-4 defensive front, Belichick's probably going to sign somebody, hey, you keep close tabs on Daniel Jones, you make sure that he doesn't pick up multiple first downs with yeah. his legs. There was a couple instances where um, I saw that you know that they that the Vikings defense did shadow Daniel Jones on certain situations where you were knew that he could get out there and run and make a big play. They're not going to let him do that. They're going to so um, defensively, this Giants team's going to have to. They're going up against Tom Brady, who is going to dink and dunk you to death. Okay, um, they have a tight end. They have a they have a slot receiver. They've got a couple receivers. They definitely they have a running game. Sony Michelle is going to run the football. Um, he's going to have a lot of scrimmage yards. And not just him, Jeff. Remember James White. They throw in a lot of guys. Brandon Bolden. You know Belichick loves to rotate his backs, which is fine. That's what they're going to do. It's going to be a sloppy game and. You know, the one thing you can't do with the Giants is go up there and turn the ball over because 
uh, and their te- their defense is very opportunistic. They will take it away from you, and then the giant, and then the the Patriots will turn around and put the put the points on the board for you. And if you're not a very good offense going into this game with a lot of guys hurt, man, I mean, you got this game. I I got to think you got to score. 20-something points to even be in this game. Yeah. Well, I think also you probably need your defense to come through with maybe even a score. You certainly need takeaways in this game, Jeff. And I think another thing we should probably focus on, special teams, which has been a positive. Sure. You know, Corey Ballantyne's return, you know, you need something like that. You, you need maybe a block punt, a block field goal, something to change field position, Jeff, in this contest. Well, you know, and the punt team has done that. Riley Dixon is the last two games has put balls inside the five yard line, and you look at what happened last week. He did it on the two yard line, and then they, the Vikings went on a ninety eight yard drive. Which, by the way, the Giants have given up, I think, three of those ninety yard returns or not return uh, drives uh, this year. Lengthy drives, yeah. So, I mean, you got to make some plays when you're when your special teams does that for you, and defensively, you get to go back and pin your ears back and go after. You cannot do that. You got to get the ball back, and the in the worst case scenario, you're going to get it probably on the 40 yard line of your own 40. Okay, if they're if they're punting from the five yard line, that's pro- probably pretty much what you would have happen. But you can't let the team go down and take a six or seven eight minute drive from the 98 yard line. I mean, you just can't do it. Well, and that really brings us to, and I know you were touching on this briefly, but you know, another opportunity here to get a look at this defense, and is it going to be a continuation of the Vikings game? Are they going to get back to their Redskins form? Because, you know, this is a New England offense, and you were listing the personnel. Brady loves to spread the wealth, Jeff, more so than any other quarterback I've seen. New England's not about Josh Gordon's got to get X amount of touches, Julian Edelman. If the defense is focusing to Gordon, then Edelman will have a big game. If they're focusing on the receivers, they'll lean on the rushing attack. So you can never really go into a game, I feel, going up against New England and say, "Ah, we're going to take this guy out of the game because then Brady's just going to look on the opposite side of the field and he's going to scheme accordingly. And that's a great luxury to have if you're them. You know, know that there's unselfish players on that roster that understand, you know what, we're all about winning championships. I don't care if I catch one or 20, 20 balls a game. Let's just get the win and move on to the next week. I'm going to get my share of catches. You know, there's no drama. There's no nothing. You just have boring press conferences from Bill Belichick, <laughs> you know, and that's it. But <laughs> I mean, it's crazy what they do up there. It's like it a is, machine. It is a it's unbelievable to me that this this is the way that they do things. Um, but you know what? They do it the right way. And, you know, you don't hear a lot about guys coming from there and hating it just because, you know, what I mean, because they all seem to buy in and they understand this is how you win consistently. Yeah. And you give a, up a little bit of yourself. You give up a little bit of yourself, but there's a price to pay for success, right? And some, so many guys are not willing to pay that type of price for success. And, you know, they think they can do it on their own somewhere, and that's through selfishness. And this game, is, it, it epitomizes that this, how, how you have to be a team to win in football. You really do. There's no one person that can do it all. I mean, come on. There, there really isn't. I mean, you think Jerry Rice could do it all? No, you had Steve Young throwing him yeah. the football. Or Joe Montana. And Joe Montana, right? Yeah. you got to have a guy deliver it to you. So, you know, they do things the right way up there because it's a team concept and it all starts at, at the top. And, you know, and that's what the Giants is trying to do here. They're trying to build a team through the draft and get guys to buy into the system. And, and then, you know, you got a quarterback now. you got a running back. Um, now you're just kind of moving on and trying to get the players in the right position. So we'll see. 
Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. Thanks so much for tuning in, spending part of your Wednesday with us. We're now going to open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. We start off the festivities with Travis, who is in Queens. Travis, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? Hey, fellas. How you guys doing? Good. How are you, Travis? You're all right, Travis. Good, good. I want to... It's a pleasure and an honor to be speaking to a potential New York Giant Hall of Fame kicker. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Um, that's what's up. I appreciate that, um, Travis. Well, wait a minute. He's yeah. Jeff Fiegel, so who are you referring to? <laughs> Lance Meadow. <laughs> <laughs> Broadcast Hall of Fame. <laughs> Jeff, 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 let's talk about Lance. Okay. okay, I just wanted clarification yeah. because, you know, I, I don't think what you said was that obvious, but go ahead, Travis, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um, so I want to I want to talk about coaching, right? And Jeff, I'm happy that you're here today because you can okay. answer my question. Man, I don't try. know how far you could take me behind the scenes, but this yeah. is my question, right? I want to know uh, uh, why is it like like what's the process leading up to Sunday? Whereas uh, whereas uh, you gotta uh, like what's the preparation? And the reason and the reason why the reason why I'm asking that question, uh, what's the preparation is because. I don't understand why Corey Ballantyne and Justin Love is not getting no playing time. It's like, but they, he's not doing anything that that warrants him, oh, he has to start, right? Mm-hmm. With our rookies, you know, we understand it's growing pain, right? So what we've seen as fans, or I can I'll speak for myself, what I've seen in preseason was – like oh okay like like Justin Love okay I, I see I Julian, got an idea. Julian Love. yeah Julian Love oh right, I'm sorry right Julian Love oh, what they're gonna do come regular season and they made it they, like it they make it seem as if these guys don't know nothing about the playbook well, and that's hard to believe from what we've seen during preseason I know well here's the thing I'll give you one of my insight I'll tell you about it okay it it happens right. every year it happens every year with draft picks. Um, it happens with guys that make the team um, that are free agents. We're in the preseason. Everybody thinks that they're going to be all pros, right? Um, we yeah. know that, that the preseason is watered down to basically as simplistic methods of football as you can get. So guys yeah. like the Julian Loves of the world and the rookies that play on a level that you feel is really good. The coaches know yeah. that, that when we get into the regular season and we have to, the teams are game planning us against, okay, we have to go with experience. Now, Every day on the practice field, these guys. Now, this is just not this is not stuff that I'm making up. This happens. These guys compete okay. every single day, and until what? one of those guys can prove to the coaches that they're better than what they are on the field, the guys that are on the field, they will continue to not play until they make that push, and they will make right. the push. And you know what? Usually, but, use but usually, I I now here's the thing. You got I know where you're going with this. This is your opinion. And others uh-huh. versus the coaches' opinions. Okay, so Correct. you're going to have to understand, and I know it's hard to do because as fans, you <laughs> feel like you feel like you know I watch these guys on Sunday. Well, guess what? Right. All you do is watch them on Sunday. <laughs> Sunday that's it. Yeah. So right. you yeah, got to be true. patient with these young guys, and I will tell you, if you go back and look at the history of the young player and guys that right. have just kind of move in the second and third year of their careers. They really start to become really, really good. That's because they're learning constantly, and the coaches don't right. feel comfortable putting them in yet. Okay. Right. Now, no, and, and one more thing. And, and, one, and just no. one more thing. One more thing. 
I know, I know you sometimes feel like, well, then how in the heck are, is, is, is Haley playing or why is this guy playing right. when I saw what this guy can do? Yes, you did right. briefly. And you know what? Like we look at DeAndre Baker. Yeah. The first two weeks right. he was, I, I mean, he couldn't off. cover anything, right? <laughs> right but right. he's getting right. better. And we're not talking about right. DeAndre Baker better. all that much anymore. So right. I, it's a, it's a tough argument to have. And it's, it's just, it, all it takes is, is fan patience is what it is. Right. No, and, and trust me, I'm willing to have it. It's just, it's just like I can see if, you know, like, 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 like I can see, like, like with DeAndre Baker, what we doing is, like you said, we going through the pains of it. You mm-hmm. know, like we understand it. It's a long process, whatever the case may be. But it's just, it's like it would be more easier for us to, uh, to, to understand if we like, oh my God, like, like perfect example. You take Haskins, right? Like again, like you said, as fans, we see Sunday, right? So, so what has like the way he played in preseason? Oh. He didn't look like a first round quarterback, yep. right? Yep. Okay, so they put him out there against us Sunday, and when they and when they put him out there, we we wasn't shocked. It wasn't as if like, well, you know, like like we could have told Gruden that, like we knew that was going to happen. I mean, he ain't showing nothing all preseason. We understand we, ain't, we like. I just know it's, it's so hard, and I get what you're I saying. I appreciate the phone call. I'll tell you. I'll give you. An, saying, he's I'll give not you, doing anything. I'll give you another example on a, on a positive side of this. Okay, look at Darius Slayton. Okay. Look at Darius Slayton. Right. He's a rookie, right? He's a fifth round draft right. pick or sixth round, whatever it fifth is. Round, yeah. Okay, right. we heard a lot about him in tra- in training camp. We heard a lot about uh-huh. him in mini camp and and OTAs. Right? He got hurt right. in training right. camp. But my mm-hmm. point is, is that. It goes to what I'm telling you. They saw this guy pushing some of these veterans, all right? And then he got yeah. hurt. And now he's back. And what is, what's he doing at practice? He's pushing he's pushing Latimer. He's pushing these right. veterans, and that's yeah. why you see him in there because they feel right. confident. And what did he do? He's making some great plays and some great catches. Big and plays. by the way, he's your deep threat on this team now. He's the guy right. that's going exactly. he's the guy that's going to get separation and get down the field and you got you got number eight that can throw it now. He can throw right. the football to him. And, right. man, I'll and tell I, you, that pass that he had this weekend, that was a beautiful Yeah, the one in the end zone against the Vikings. The one throw. against Tampa Bay, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. In the red so, zone, too. Is those great. are yeah. some beautiful yeah. throws. And, you know, he's got a guy that can go catch it. Yeah. And, Travis, can I make one more point? sure, real quick. Oh, okay. The O-line, like, yo, Sunday, like last week, you know, the score didn't represent the game so much. Like, we was in the game. Uh, uh, Thursday, you know, I don't think it's a wash that, that you know, there's a chance we can win. I, I'm shocked at the O-line right now. I am really am. I, I thought if the O-line tomorrow can play decent, I think with Daniel Jones and somewhat of good third-down management, I think we'd be okay. But another thing, too, Sherma, he has to take the ball. I mean, when we win kickoff, like, you sometimes have to – you know, set the set the momentum, and, and not all the time the defense have to set it. And I appreciate the call. You're Thank welcome. You. All right, yeah. Thanks so much for weighing in. You remember, a, a lot of the philosophy behind deferring is because teams want to put themselves in positions, Jeff. That if they have a late possession in the first half, they score. You're sort of double dipping mm-hmm. because then you could come back and start the third quarter. Yeah. And listen, whether your offense goes out there and scores on the first drive, your defense then still needs to respond and make a stop. Sure. You know, it, it's not as if the game ends right there. 
fair. I, I know <laughs> we've been hearing a lot from fans who you know get frustrated when the Giants defer. But remember, your offense could go out and have a very strong start, but then your defense needs to meet you at least halfway, and that hasn't halfway. necessarily been always the case with respect to this team game in and game out. Here's something else that I want to bring up before we get back to the lines, and I'm, I'm glad the caller brought up the offensive line. Yeah, I want to say something too. Because Daniel Jones, as I mentioned, saw some pressure. He was sacked four times. That's the second most times he's been sacked this season. Tampa Bay had five. New England's offensive line has lost two starters since the beginning of the season. David Andrews, their center, uh, unfortunately dealing with some health issues, so he's out for the year. And Isaiah Wynn, their left tackle, who was out for last year, they lost him again after week one. So, you know, they've had to make some changes. But the thing with the Patriots is even when it looks like maybe that's a situation (laughs) to take advantage of, Jeff, Brady gets rid of the ball so quickly, they could put together, you know, three Joe Schmoes that they pick off on the street, and Brady be like, don't worry, I got this. I'll just get rid of the football quicker. And they run play action so good. They're they're so good at it. They just freeze those guys, and it buys them time. The offensive line, I'm going to tell you something. That was a very, very physical football game against the Vikings because that front four, that front seven they play is, they are just, they're, they'll, I mean, they are tough-nosed football team, right? So that has a carryover effect to a Thursday game for guys like the offensive line. You know, they were out there for, I don't know how many plays it was, it's 60-something. I'm usually 60 to 70 plays offensively. And those guys getting, you know, hit constantly, constantly. Bumps and it was and a bruises. very physical game. And then coming as, as a player coming off Sunday and then going and playing on Thursday, those guys are those guys are hurting a little bit. They're hurting a little bit. And so so are the Patriots. I'm just I'm not just saying this them, but that was you come from a game that's very physical, like the Minnesota game. That has a little lingering effect on those five guys. Yeah, I think that's a great point. That's more of a reason why when it came to the Giants injury report, it's not just the offensive linemen, also the offensive guys that got banged up on Sunday to think about what position they'd put them in if they have to take more hits on Thursday versus resting them for a good nearly two weeks before their next game. Let's head back to the lines. Nathan is in New York. Nathan, welcome to the Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you have for us? Hi, how you guys doing? Good. Hi, Nathan. Hey, it's the first time, long time. I'm uh, nervous, but uh, here we go. I'm going <laughs> to That's okay. No worries. Take a breath. We're not going to bite. Don't worry. And uh, I'll be like, um, not Russ, but like Paul. And uh, <laughs> I don't think that enough can be said about the Patriots opponents. I mean, I know it's typical of a Patriots season for us to diminish their opponents and their wins, but the quarterbacks they've faced are not, other than one, are not Daniel Jones, in my opinion. Um, I mean, the Redskins made our defense look like the 2007 Giants defense with four picks and only allowing three points. I think Daniel Jones is smarter than those quarterbacks, and I think he has the attention of the Patriots coaching staff. As long as Schirmer doesn't try to like outsmart Belichick or himself, we could put up a decent fight. And a big key to that, I think, is Elijah Penny. And in the latter part of the Vikings game, it really seemed like he was busting him off five to six yards a clip and um, looked kind of like a vicious runner. I think when Barkley does come back, him and Penny could be a good duo. And, um, and I think the weather could play a big part in that as well. I think the more that Brady gets to throw the ball around, plays in our favor. And... Um, yeah, but Alonzo the question Russell, is, is he going to be forced to throw yeah. the ball? That's the question, though. Well, like I said, his opponents, I mean, we look, our defense looked better than theirs, in my opinion, against the Redskins. So what I'm saying is there's a shot. 
if you want to look at it positive. Well, of course. Well, listen, we're not Jeff and I are not here to tell you that this is, you know, impossible, but clearly New England has been by far the more consistent team than the Giants and that's why they got to play the game. If we knew how all these games are going to play out, there's no point to the Giants even traveling to New England on Thursday. They might as well have a video game simulated. <laughs> so, yeah, th- there's always a chance, but I think you have to look at it also realistically that the Giants are going out there undermanned, okay? They're not fully healthy. New England is very good at its home field. Also, New England and Belichick have an unbelievable track record, keep this in mind, against rookie quarterbacks. Okay, that can't be overlooked. And that has nothing to do with, Nathan, who the Patriots have played this season. Belichick and the Patriots are 18-5 and against teams with rookie quarterbacks since Belichick took over as the starting quarterback in 2000, and that includes 11-0 and at home, meaning a rookie quarterback with his team never went to Gillette Stadium and beat the Patriots since Belichick took over as the head coach. So, once again, we're just giving you the information that, in my opinion, when you assess the situation, clearly goes heavily in favor of the Patriots. Right, and I didn't mean that as you guys were being no, negative. and I didn't. We didn't take it that way. I'm just, I'm just looking for clarification right. here in the conversation. That's all. Yeah, right. And I had a couple more points, but do you guys put anything into the whole Belichick would show mercy towards the Giants given his ties? Well, mercy in what way, though? As what far do you mean? As running up the score. Well, you know, I mean, Jeff, you played the game. I, I do. Per- I personally, I do. What you don't think he would run up the no, score? Meaning, I don't think he would. But here's here's the way that I look at it. But sometimes you can't control that. Like, I mean, if of you course. say we're going to run the football and Sonny Michelle goes and you can drive a truck through the line of scrimmage, you're not going to tell him to go down, don't go score. Well, or if the team that you're playing has a bunch of missed tackles, yeah, yeah what are you going to tell the running back? Hey, just take a knee well, I guess after it, you bounce off a few tackles? I guess it would be if they're up 24 to nothing in the first quarter and they come out throwing the football all over the place in the second quarter, that would tell me that they don't really care what they're going to do. They would probably go to a more balanced football game and try to run the football. But I will tell you, the first half, to me, you play and try to score as many points as you can. Then the second half, I might take my foot off the throttle a little bit. But the first half, I'm I'm going as far as I can. Right, right. I agree. And hopefully we see a little bit of Jared Stidham. But um, last thing is, um, Alonzo Russell, he really was the highlight for me of the preseason. And... uh, I was really upset when they let him go. I think it might be too late now, if uh, you guys could let me know, to bring him back in, to bring a spark to the locker room. And um, on my way out, I'll take your comments off the air. Sterling Shepard is really uh, concerning me. It makes me really sad to think about, actually. And, uh, like, watching that post-game locker room interview where he was uh, losing his train of thought and stuff is really sad. So, uh, go Giants. And um, I just hope we have a good showing and that the narrative and the media during the week isn't that. We made a bad choice of Daniel Jones because uh, go DJ. That's my DJ. Yeah, I don't. I don't oh, think yeah. that's going to be the narrative, Nathan. No. I, I would not worry about that. Uh, it's you know. too early for that. Yeah, I mean, we're talking. The guy about, just started. He's, he's making his fourth ago. career start. <laughs> <laughs> the narrative is not going yeah. to automatically change, and, and if it does, it's somebody that has an agenda. And I don't anyway. think that bringing Alonzo Russell is going to give a spark to the team. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's okay. all about perspective. Yeah, I thought we had moved on I, from that story, I, I, but apparently no, we're going to continue to bring it back. Yeah. Well, because you also have to understand, the player that is the fifth or the sixth wide receiver on the team is probably only going to get special team opportunities, yeah, if or, anything, or barring he, injuries, of course. Uh, barring injury. That's yeah. exactly right. And but, this, you know, I, no, I didn't mean to cut you off, Jeff. Golden right. Tate just came back. Yeah. Okay. Darius Slayton has looked good. You hope Sterling Shepard is not going to miss a bulk of time, but concussions are sensitive issues and they're going to have to wait and see how the independent concussion protocol plays out but 
they've got other options. Cody Latimer has been with the team. It's not as if they're lacking wide receivers. And I, I don't think Alonzo Russell alone is going to come in and uh, make a huge indentation into the offense. So, you know, guys are banged up right now. They're going to get Barkley back. Ingram's going to get back. They're going to eventually have their core back. It's just, yeah. unfortunately, it came during a time where, Jeff, they had so many games in a short period of time. Sure. And that's where it's painful. Because, you know, listen, the Giants right now, if they were to go to the schedules and they said, hey, give us the Thursday game, you know, five weeks later, maybe they're not in this position. Unfortunately, yeah. this is when the Thursday game came, and it happens to come against the defending Super Bowl champs. You just don't have control over these circumstances. The Giants are going up to Foxborough. They have 11 guys on offense and 11 guys on defense. Okay, They're going to play a football game, so let's not... It's going to be a very difficult place to win, okay? Um, and they're going in there as underdogs, as we know, and they're just going to have to put a game plan together that's going to have to be able, like we just said, it's very simple to me that how this game, if you're going to have any chance to win this game, we talked about this, okay? First and second down are paramount, okay? Because they don't give up third down conversions, okay? So you're going to have to get production on those first two downs, all right? And move the sticks. Offensively, that's what you have to do. And when you get in the red zone, you better port score some points because you may not get back in there, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, if they only give up 12%, 13% on third downs, you're not getting down the field very often, right? And then defensively, you just have to stop the run. Just going to have to play physical football and stop the run. And then and then Brady and just defend. It's not going to be easy. But they have 11 on offense, 11 on defense, 11 on special teams. You go up there and compete and come out of there and do the best you can. To me, I'm not a coach. I'm not a player. But to me, I, I got to think that you're going up there. You know you're up. Your back's against the wall. I want to come out of this game healthy so that I have the guys that I left home to come back and get against Arizona 10 days later and we'll get a conference win here and get back and, and just get back going because you can win that Cardinal game at home. I look at this game as a great opportunity for the Giants because you got a lot of young guys and they've point. got nothing to lose in this game, Jeff. Yeah, there you go. Think about this. Nobody's going to have them right? winning. Nobody thinks the Giants are winning this game. Yeah. If anything, the Patriots have all the pressure on them because they're 5-0. and They've been so good at home. They're in better health. So if New England is turning the ball over and it's too close for comfort, if anything, you know, the Giants are saying to themselves, hey, I mean, now we're working with a situation that nobody thought we were going to be in this position. So we're developing I actually, some, some depth here. I, I mean, I think if you're the Giants, you go into this game, you're loose. If you could keep it close, you can make things interesting. Hey, that's icing on the cake because nobody ever gave you an ounce of credit that you were going to be in that position. And the big one is number eight. You're getting him a lot of experience right now, okay? And in back-to-back -back games, by the way. Yes. Because, you know, it was a rough go against the Vikings. Now he's got even a tougher defense in yeah. difficult territory yeah. on the road. And yeah. a quick and a quick turnaround for yeah. a starting quarterback to prepare and go through the, and go through the, the short week routine. And then get out there against and in a and listen, if Daniel Jones is going to be here as long as we all want him to be in, he's going to be in games like this weather-wise. Okay, so let's see how he does. You know, this isn't Duke, where it's you know nice and warm down there. It rains every once in a while. You know, this is cold. This is New England weather. This is New New York weather. You're going to play in games like this. Let's see how he can do it. So yeah. You know, it's a great point you make, Lance, because it is. It, they have nothing to lose here, right? Nobody's got them winning this game. No one. Can they win it? Sure, they can win it. But that's because 
New England has to implode, <laughs> basically, to win this game. They're going to have to turn the ball over. And they could. They could have one they of could. these games. You could have one of those games. Listen, Absolutely. He's not, he's not, Brady's not perfect, right? He's never not thrown an interception in his life. He's never not fumbled before. I mean, things can happen here. Um, you have to capitalize that. And maybe the Giants become the opportunistic team and take away and get some points off things and get it to the, to the end. If you're in this one at the end and you lose it, I mean – we can call it a moral victory, right? But we can call it experience. We can call all that stuff. We want to do it. We can do it. You and I can do that. All right. But from a team's perspective, you get a lot of experience out of this. And that's a good thing because that's what this team needs. This team needs to build experience in the backup position so that they have depth. That's what they need going forward. It's a young team. You got to, this team is so young. What's the number now, Lance? It's still up in the twenties, right? Out of the 53 for our, for the first or second year players. Yeah. I mean, it's young. Young. The one team that was in the best position to beat the Patriots this season was the Buffalo Bills. They lost 16 to 10. And if you're Buffalo, you had New England exactly where you wanted it. You held them to 16 points. Okay, so if you look at what did Buffalo do well to make that game interesting. Okay, well, they took away the Patriots' run game. New England, 23 rushes, 74 yards. So that's why we're talking about you want to make Brady throw the ball, even though he gets rid of it quick. The reason being is, Jeff, it's the old school of mathematics. The more times the ball is in the air, whether the quarterback gets rid of it or not, something can happen, a deflection. You you hit the ball at the line of scrimmage. So that's what you need to do. You have to be able to stop the run. The other thing that the Bills obviously were very effective in doing, and and clearly, you know, this Bills defense has played far more consistently than the Giants. So it it may be a little apples and oranges comparison, but you've got to go with the blueprint of a team that was effective, and you need to look at it and say, okay, well, how can we come close to duplicating that? Uh, They also prevented New England in the red zone. New England was one for three in the red zone. So that was also a big reason why the game was kept close. And they held New England to just 11 first downs and five of 18 on third down. So once again, Buffalo made it a game, not because of their offense. They only put up 10 points. They made it a game because of their defense and their ability to also perhaps change field position because of the defense, not allowing New England to put together those lengthy drives. So yeah, and a lot we talk of pressure about, on the Giants D entering this game. Oh, there's no question. And we, you know, talk about health on that side of the football too. You know, so uh, Tay Davis and Ogletree are they? I didn't. They were not on the injury report. So, so I, and I Ogletree had been practicing right? as well yeah. as Tay Davis. So it looks like they can get those two guys back at a much needed position. All right. So instantly, you now have pretty much your starting defense intact again, right? I mean, you got all your defensive linemen. Um, I don't know, Lorenzo Carter. Well, Lorenzo Carter's another guy that was not on the injury report. So, so you know, they should be he, getting him back was, as well. And he was kind of a, a like a, a head scratcher on Sunday when we were, when he went out, right? I mean, we thought he was going to play. So you get your defense pretty healthy. Offensively, no. So defense, let's go. Your turn. Your turn to step up. All right. Not give up 490 yards in total offense again. Don't do that. Just go out there and play, and like you said, let's just go see what you could do. And let me just clarify, as I look at it, Lorenzo Carter is on the injury report. He's questionable for this game. So I don't want to paint well, an optimistic view, but 
questionable could very well mean he's going to play. Nobody's doubtful. Then we mentioned the four guys that are out. And in case you're just joining us, Saquon Barkley, Wayne Goldman, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, those are the four out. And Lorenzo Carter is the only other player on the injury report. So Alec Ogletree, Tay Davis ready to go. They're going to get some much-needed help at the linebacker position, which is a positive considering what they had to deal with against the Vikings and the Vikings rushing attack. So now, does New England have Dalvin Cook? No, but New England's got Sony Michelle, Brandon Bolden, Rex Burkhead, and a laundry list of other guys, including James White, and they utilize their running backs as receivers. So you can't just worry about stopping the run. You've got to make sure that those guys don't get out in the flats, get a short three-yard pass, and then pick up 10 to 15 yards after that. And, and guess what? That's what you saw last week in the Minnesota game is those running backs catching passes. I mean, and just yep. and, and a lot of misdirection stuff, you know. So and and getting Ogletree back and Tay Davis back that'll help that defense. So that uh, the defense is fairly healthy. So if we got a chance, you do. And it, and if the New England Patriots offensive line is still beat up, you know that interior guys they got to go play. They need to get after the quarterback and stop the run. Let's head back to the phone lines, 201-939-4513. He's Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. John is in Bama. John, welcome to the program. What do you got for us? Hi, John. Hey, guys. Jeff Lance, how are you doing today? Good, Good all right, John. How's things with you? Yeah, good. All right, listen, I want you to teach me something, both of you, okay? I'm just going to go through a little bit because <laughs> what you're saying is right. I mean, we hope that we're wealth, uh, you know, we're healthy. Not wealthy, I'm sorry, healthy. And well, everybody hopes they're wealthy, we too. You're not technically that, wrong um, about that, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, we need we need some help, you know, with regards to linebackers and and some help on defense. And I'm maybe I'm okay with the offense. Maybe we could use the center and stuff like that. But how does it work with the cap space on some of this stuff? Because it's saying that in 2019, on you know, with Sport Rack, Eagles are number four and the Cowboys are six with the cap space for 2019, and we're like 25th. And then going to 2020. We're sitting there where we go up to 12, and the Cowboys are at, like, four. So, you know, if we're going to start bringing in some veteran players or trying to sign some of the guys that we really like to keep, which, how does it all work out with the uh, cap space? And well, I'll just uh, go offline and listen to you guys. Okay? You got it. Appreciate the phone call, John. Well, when you're looking at the difference between 19 and 20, keep in mind there's going to be players that are going to come off the books from the numbers that are looking at 2019, and that's why maybe a team is going to move up in 2020. And keep in mind, all of this stuff is projections. Things are going to drastically change as players are signed, as maybe new contract extensions are worked out during the course of the season. The salary cap is always a fluid situation, Jeff. You have roster bonuses. You have things in there. and you got guys that deferred money that comes in there. Um, You know, when you're looking at the salary cap, you're looking at the cap amount, the cap hit, and then there's dead money in there. And dead yeah. money is, dead money is a part where you know if, when Odell Beckham left, there he left. They left a lot of dead money here, right? So you got players, teams that handle a lot of that, and some some of them don't have a lot of it. So, but putting those together, it becomes one big number. But like Lance said, next year, you look at guys that are coming out of this year that don't have contracts anymore, that aren't going to be on the books. Um, you know, come around the new, when is it? March 1st is the new. Um, Usually when it gets started. You know, then you start getting into guys, get, start getting their roster bonuses. Those aren't included now because you don't know if they're on the roster yeah. yet. 
and you don't know if they're going to sign the <laughs> bonus or whatever it may be. Sometimes a trade happens. For example, uh, Eli Manning right now, he's going to be a free agent. So if you start to look at 2020, you know, Eli Manning's contract will have come off the books, and that's going to give that's the right. Giants more flexibility. I think the thing you need to look at is currently. The current yeah. cap space, and that because that's up to date. That's everybody that's been paid out their roster bonuses, and you know that. So that's the one you have to look at. Um, it'll give you an idea of, of you know you talk about guys. Oh, this guy just came on the market. Let's go get him. You know, well they might only have two million dollars in the cap. Now, I will tell you that it's very easy to get cap money. Okay, you just go and restructure guys' contracts. You see it all the time. You know, oh, they restructured this guy. They restructured it. They accelerated somebody's uh, salary for the rest of the year into a signing bonus. So things can happen. If you need money, you can always go get it. Um, you know, depending on how much. But if you need some money, you can always find it. Yeah, and that seems to be the philosophy of most teams. That's why I wouldn't get too caught up in salary cap space because if you really want a player, there's ways, to your point, Jeff, to uh, yeah. make some tweaks. But I think so in the offseason, if you want to go get a multitude, multitude, multi Tude yes. of players. Like a few years ago, the Giants went out and got $200 million worth of guys. Of course. You know, if yeah. you didn't have that $200 million, you're well, not yes, going to get it. Well, yes, that's difficult so. to pull off. But <laughs> I'm saying that if you're targeting maybe one guy in sure. particular, yeah. there's ways to uh, make some changes. Right. Yeah, but it, you're not looking at Snacks, Olivier Vernon, and Janoris Jenkins type offseason unless you have some the big-time goods. cap space. Well, like the Jets. Exactly. You know, the Jets yeah. had a lot of money. The Jets, and they went out and got some guys. Season. I mean, they yeah. got Le'Veon Bell and... Mm-hmm. Um, C.J. Mosley they brought in. Yeah, and boy, they need him back. Yeah, you know, they, they need a, a lot of guys back, including <laughs> their quarterback, which it looks like he is going to return Sam yeah, Darnold against good. the uh, Dallas Cowboys this week. Let's head back to the lines. Rick is in Tampa. Rick, welcome to the Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? Hey, guys. Hi. Nice to talk to you two again. How are you? Good, Good Rick. Um, real, first of all, regarding deferring, let's just defer this whole game. How's that for <laughs> Thursday? We could do that. Because, come on, this game is no way, and you can be positive all you want, there's no way we're going to win this game. And a question I have uh, for you, and I spoke to Russin and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Paul, yesterday, and about... Evan Seems like you're getting very emotional and, over Russ and Paul. I, I mean, I don't know many people that get that <laughs> yeah, emotional over the two of them. But, yes. Evan Ingram playing and talking about, you know what, this game, I'm, I'm looking past this game. I'm looking to Arizona and Detroit and going 4-4. Four and four. Uh, but the thing is, do you think is first the question is regarding Evan Ingram, and and I hope he just doesn't, doesn't stay, this doesn't linger anymore. But do you think him not playing is a product of that? You know what? Let's just not take a chance because of who we're playing and the short week versus if this was if we were close, if this you know a record. I mean, you know what I'm saying? If we had a, a yeah. solid chance that they may try to play him. So that's the first question because right now you talk about weapons. We have no weapons with nobody playing this week. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that in the next 10 days we will get him back. Uh, I'm thinking of Evan Ingram because I don't want him to go down that road of this being injured again. So hopefully he will play. And, um, and Nate Solder on the offensive line will have a, a better game because he does not look good. And also our tackling have to improve. Maybe they could practice it as we get, we get our butts kicked this Thursday because I I'm really ha- don't have any – <laughs> I don't have any hope in this game, but I am looking forward to the next two games. Do you think the coaching staff is tr- thinking about that, even though they won't admit it? Well, um, I, no, they're not looking. They're not looking down the line. They're still concentrated on this game. I can tell you that. Okay. Um, the first question, 
I just lost my train of thought. What was the first question? Because I had an answer to it. Well, it was about looking ahead to the Arizona-Detroit games. Yeah, that no, was the first it's about the injuries. Okay, the injuries, listen, yeah. inj- injuries, in, injuries are all about the individual. There's players, and Lance mentioned to it before, the, the, the medical staff is here to help a lot of times is to, mm-hmm. is to help the player, right? There's a lot of guys that want right. to get out there, so they have to, they have to basically just help them um, stay off the field because they want to get back on it so quickly. If the player is ready to play and the doctors think that he can play, he will play. I don't care if it's a short week, a long week, a two weeks, or whatever. They're going to play him. They'll play anyway. They absolutely, a hundred percent. Okay, um, but okay. they have to be cautious because sometimes the player wants to get back earlier than they want, and they will do everything they can to convince the doctors. They really will. And so, um, and that's a case like I could tell you right now that Saquon's probably in that in that circumstance. He wants to play, and I'm sure he thinks he can play, but the doctors are like, you know what? We're not ready. You're not ready yet, we're, yeah. you know, well, physically. And they're also going to weigh the risks about re-injuring right. it, too. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a part right. of the conversation. And that has nothing to do with, hey, let's wait because we've got our next game in 10 days. I think it's a matter of if we put the guy out there, what's the chances that if he has a knee injury, it's not fully healed and he hits it in the wrong spot again, then it be, goes from maybe being a one- to two-week injury to a four- to five-week right. injury. So, you know, that's a big part of the medical conversation too, Rick. And, right. and the, the okay. other thing that I wanted to throw out, and I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, I would not make it seem as if Arizona and Detroit are layups is all I'm saying. No, the they're, the, they're the not, Lions... We know this team yeah, is, is, the, I mean, like you said, there'd have to be some a massive uh, shift in the earth cycles for us to win this game, I mean, against New England. And but the thing is, do you think ten days from now? I'm I'm looking past here. Do you think that uh, Barkley? I know will be back. I I really I know he'll be playing. Will you think Evan Ingram will be playing? It's really hard to tell, and we'll, we'll let you go at this point, Rick, okay. because you know based on the reports, and you know I don't want to speculate with injuries because you know people started to speculate with Saquon Barkley, and I think he got back on the side. You know, not that he's been a full participant in practice a little bit sooner than most people anticipated. Some of the reports are that it's an MCL injury for Evan Ingram, and it's a sprained MCL. Now, you know, that from just how other players have dealt with it, Jeff, I don't know if you've ever had to deal with something like that. Uh, You know, that tends to be a multi-week injury. But, you know, once again, Evan Ingram is not necessarily on the same path as any other player who has suffered the same exact injury. So, you know, for us to sit here, I think would be irresponsible and tell you he's definitely going to return for this date. There's absolutely no chance he returns. I I think the bottom line is the fact that he's not playing Thursday hopefully gives him an opportunity to get ahead of the curve with the rehab process and puts him in a position that maybe he can get out there for Arizona. But I think we'll know a lot more. They're going to practice on Monday next week because they're not playing this weekend. So, you know, let's see what the injury report looks like on Monday. Let's see how much he takes part in. And remember, Evan Ingram had been a limited participant over the last few days. So, you know, that I thought was perhaps somewhat of an encouraging sign that maybe it's not as bad as perhaps what other players have dealt with when it has been a sprained MCL. And there's also certain grades to injuries. Yeah, of course. You know? Well, so and once again, if you're not the sprain, doctor and you didn't see it, you, yeah. you're just speculating. I mean, so, there's no point you know, in doing you, that. You say an MCL or sprained knee, well, that could mean a lot of different things. It could be yeah. damage to the MCL or, in a, or it could be no, you know, just a slight sprain and or there could be a tear. There's a ton, tons of different stuff that could happen. But again, everybody's different. I mean, he could he could be ready to play, but the doctors say, you know what? You know, we don't, I know you think you can run around and play, but we've seen some, you know, on your cutting and things. It's just, let's just wait a little bit. Let's head back to the phone lines. Marcus is in Arizona. Marcus, Marcus, welcome to the program. What do you got for us? Hey, how's it going? Doing very well, Marcus. What's happening? Okay. First,
off, I'm going to make a couple comments, and then I just have a couple quick questions. But sure. no one thanks Steve Tisch or John Mara for hiring Gettleman to do the job that everyone was going to beat him up about. Mm-hmm. And everybody's been killing Gettleman, but he's done. Me personally, what I've wanted since he got there, he got Nate Solder, even though it did, it's not really working out that great. That's who I wanted. I didn't want Herbert or any of those other quarterbacks. I wanted Saquon last year if Baker wasn't available. We got him, and the only college quarterback I wanted this year was Daniel Jones, and I wanted him. So thanks for Gettleman and the Tish and Mara for, you know, doing the job and taking the abuse from all the fans. Um, Two, thank you guys for – you guys get yelled at way too much by fans and – (laughs) <laughs> they don't realize that it's not your guys' fault. They don't realize Nobody how we talk about them after we're done. Going on unless you're in the, that building, right? <laughs> right. So yeah. My questions are, though, okay, I do like Pat Shermer, and I'm not sure on Betcher, okay? But what do you guys think the possibility are of, like, a Sean Payton, Mike Tomlin, or uh, <laughs> Mike McCarthy would be the only, like, proven coaches – that would be an acceptable change from those two. But if not, I don't think that they should be fired next year based on, you know, the performance of these kids, unless it's all year of the same thing from the defense, like the missed tackling and the being out of position. But it's too early on to tell. Yes, it yeah, is. I, I think that's a, my, a very good answer. My question is, is, what do you guys think that uh, the big free agency next year is going to be like? Because... It's kind of hard to say. I don't think Jenkins will be there, but I know that we got some money coming up to around like the $200 million and a bunch of young contracts. So just what do you guys think we're going to do in the offseason, assuming everybody that is not on IR is healthy at the end of the year? All right, Marcus. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for weighing in. I think Dave Gettleman's plan, Jeff, as he's laid out thus far, has been to really rebuild this team through the draft. Yep. And I think that's still going to remain a priority entering next offseason. Well, they got a lot of draft picks. Remember, they, they still piled up a bunch for next year. Yeah. Because you want to get to a point where your roster is staggered on rookie deals so that everybody doesn't get up for a new deal simultaneously, Jeff, sure. so that you can manage re-upping the guys that have shown you something and then perhaps complementing that with free agency. Even if you look at what Dave Gettleman did in Carolina, mm-hmm. he never had an offseason where it was, let me throw money at the wall and see if it sticks. He always went about his business the way of the draft and then bringing in some complimentary veteran free agents or obviously investing in the guys that were already on the roster. Now, that's not to say that he won't go in a different direction here with the Giants, but I would not guarantee that it's going to be like what Jerry Reese did a few seasons ago, Jeff, where it was, let's bring in three guys, spend a lot of money on the defense. I I just, once again, I I think that that put them in a predicament that that Gettleman had to clean up, remember, over these last few seasons. I don't know if he wants to now immediately go back into that scenario. Oh, there's no way he wants to go back with that because you know what? It didn't work. And the other thing is, is that I think that Dave Gettleman is a pretty good draft guy. I think he, he understands talent and do, getting it through the draft. Um, you look at some of his draft picks the last two years. We can go down the line, see how they're playing. I mean, uh, Zimenez is a guy that right off the top of the bat, d- d- off my mind, said, you know, that, that was a kid that was drafted. We owe the Old Dominion. I, I mean, Old Dominion? Seriously? 
Well, the kid, the kid played like almost, I don't know what percentage of the snaps last week. He was in there a lot. Now, I know that uh, Lorenzo Carter was hurt, but that goes to show you the confidence in him. Okay? And then you look at some of these other rookies. I mean, they go out and find undrafted guys, too. Darius Slayton's a guy that I mentioned earlier. He's a, a late-round draft pick that they saw him when they were scouting um, the, the quarterback from Georgia. So I think I think that's what it was, wasn't it? Did he, did he? Well, Ballantyne was also at the senior bowl, too. I mean, okay. I know they took a good look at him there. It's possible. You're saying that his no, team— So I had heard that Darius Slayton, would, they saw him uh, at the senior oh, bowl. Oh, Slayton. Okay. Yeah, I thought Slayton. you were talking about Ballantyne. No, that's Dar- why. Darius yeah, Darius Slayton. Slayton. Well, he went to Auburn. So Auburn. Yeah. Okay. The, the Auburn— co- the, What was the guy? Isn't the quarterback for the New England Patriots? Yeah, Jared Siddham. That's it. Correct. When they were scouting yep. him, they saw Darius Slayton, and that's how exactly. they drafted him. Okay, now kid. I understand where you're going. I'm sorry. So I guess my point is I'm, what I'm trying to make is, yes, you build through the draft. You build through the draft, and you acquire as many draft picks as you can, and that's what Dave Gettleman has done. I don't know how many they have, they have a lot next year again, okay? And, he, of course, he'll trade some of those away to make some deals and this and that, but um, bottom line is you do it through the draft. That's how you win in this league. I, I've been on – I've been in – I was a lot of teams, and we tried – there's teams try to build through free agency. It never works. It never works. It really doesn't. The guys get their money. And they shut it down. It's like some of the guys do it, but some of them are like, you know, well, I got my money. And yeah, it's, it's just the, the way superstar it is. teams are appealing in the fantasy football world yeah. we live in, Jeff, but very rarely does it actually translate Let to Let me reality. tell you why building through the draft works in two, in two three ways. Number one, um, it's because they're young, right? And you're, they're good football players, they're durable, they, they're, they, re, they recover quick, they're young players, they're young guys. The second thing is they're hungry, hungry guys. Okay, fifth rounders, sixth rounders, fourth rounders. They want to get a new contract, right? They want to be in the league. They want to show you that they that you screwed up drafting me fifth or sixth, okay? And then the third thing about it is, that, like I said, they want the big contract. These guys are going to go out and fight and do what they can to get the, and stay, be on the team. If you're a big-name free agent, the guy that's already done all that, and now he's going to go out and get a bunch of money, he's got his money now. He doesn't have to play worth a damn, but he's got all this guaranteed money now. The, the league is going to guaranteed contract. So build through the draft young, young, young guys that can play. Because they just, you know, they're almost like, they're almost like just to the point where they don't know what they're doing. They're doing, they're so good, they just don't understand it. And they're hungry, too. And they're hungry. That's the thing. I always want that hungry guy. This has something to prove, okay? Tom Brady. Tom Brady had, he still has a chip on his shoulder for some reason. <laughs> It drives him every yeah, single it day. It really does. Listen, I can tell you from experience. I played in this in this league for 22 seasons, and I'll tell you, it drove me every year to get better and to make as much money as I could in this league because you know what? I wasn't drafted when there was 11 or 12 rounds, and they missed out on me, and I was like, you know what? Listen, I'm going to show you how you screwed up. And you know what's funny is that as a player, you're labeled as long as you come into this league if you were drafted or not drafted. If you're a first-rounder, you've bought yourself some time over time. But when you're a young guy and you're not drafted, they know you're always you were always an undrafted free agent. You know that's like a like a scar on your yeah. Body. That it's label horrible. stays with you. So a lot yeah. of a lot of hungry young players. Absolutely, and that's the direction that the Giants are going to go in. And speaking of that hunger, it'll be on full display Thursday <laughs> as they go up against the yes. defending Super Bowl champs, which makes the Gi- the Giants somewhat of a dangerous team because they have absolutely nothing to lose. That's going to wrap up. 
the latest edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. It's brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience, courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 904-64 for more details. So Thursday night, it's the Giants versus the Patriots. You have an 8.20 kickoff. We are going to have our Giants Radio Network pregame show start at 6.50 p.m. Eastern on WFAN in the New York City metropolitan area. Jeff is abandoning me tomorrow because that's what people do. But Amani Toomer will be filling in for Jeff, and he and I will be at Legends New York City, a bar in Midtown Manhattan, 6 West 33rd Street. So for those of you in the New York City area, feel free to stop by. We're going to do the entire pregame show starting at 6.50 tomorrow night from the bar and uh, good food, good times as we get you set for the Giants and the Patriots. Big Blue Kickoff Live will be up and running again tomorrow at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, and always stay locked to Giants.com. Have a good one.